0: The Lord was kind of laying on, was laying on my heart a, a verse, a, a message today, for today. But it really, it really crystallized one day this week with a, with a camp story. Can I like Bible camp story? Um, Happens middle school week. And I'll, I'll, I'll keep this innocuous as far as names concerned because that's not what's important. What's important is what I'm going to share with you that happened. But it was middle school week, and a couple of middle school boys, and um, one day they were uh, up near the front of the, the, uh, the gym, and this is shared from a family member. And uh, they had, had a, they'd got to play paintball that day, and one of the boys had got shot with a paintball. And he kind of raised his shirt up, and he had a big red. There and he said, I got shot right here with a paintball, and it hurts. And the other boy was, was trying to share with him that he had got shot, and too, and he kind of pointed in. In the meantime, the boy jumped off the stage and hit the other boy's finger, kind of poked him in the tummy, and middle school boys. Uh, so there was kind of a discussion about what had happened, and one of the boys come out with a, a word. You, and the other boy said, I don't think you're supposed to say that at Bible camp. And uh, the other boy said, well, you're not going to tell me what to say or do at Bible camp. And he proceeded to say some other things that you probably wouldn't share with your mom and dad or with the camp directors. And uh, so they were kind of getting a little, one of them got a headlock. And so the counselor saw there was a little discussion going on and came over and uh, kind of separated the boys. But, the, but what, what is awesome is now the, 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 boy that, uh, the boy that was telling his family members said, But you know what happened that night? That night, the other that night he got saved. And he's telling after camp, and he came back and he said, and the next day he came up to me and said, Will you forgive me for the way for what I said yesterday and for what I did to you? Now the observation of this of the the first boy that was a Christian, and as he was telling this to one of his family members, he said, You know. It really makes a difference when Jesus gets in somebody's life, don't it? Wow. Now, I thought, I thought, that's, that's one of the times I thought, boy, Lord, I would give anything if I could preach. Because that would preach. It really makes a difference when Jesus gets in somebody's life. I want to talk to you this morning about Jesus making a difference. You should be able to see the difference in his life. He could. Can people see the difference? This is, my, this is the first thing he thought to me. Can people see the difference that Jesus is making in my life? Yeah. Here was a middle school boy. And he come home from camp. And he was already seeing the difference that Jesus had made in a young man's life. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 5. Uh, I'm sorry, Acts, Acts chapter 4. I'm going to start with verse 5 pick up on the, on the story a little bit. Um, it's, it's right after Pentecost. The, uh, the Holy Spirit has uh, just empowered these disciples that had ran and that had hid. And now picking up with verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were kind of the high priest. When they were together to get at Jerusalem, uh, and they brought Peter and John, they had a, had them arrested. They had kept them. It says, uh, as many as were kindred of the high priest were together. They brought them in the mist. They kept them in the hold the night before, and they brought them in the mist. And they asked them, by what power or by what name have you done this? They had uh, prayed, and the and the, the lame man was healed, uh, and. Uh, And a lot of God was doing a lot of uh, powerful things and they were preaching Jesus Christ. And so they set them there and they said, whose name are you doing this? Then Peter, verse eight, filled with the Holy Ghost said to him, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he's made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and boy, I mean, he's not a bold with the name, but look, look what he says. Whom you crucified, who God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is a stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In verse 13, and I want to just... I'm going I'm to highlight verse 13. I want to camp there for a little while. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Hmm. They marveled and they took knowledge. What, what? What captured their attention? It, uh, verse 13, as you read it, it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. It's, it's interesting, Greek word there is parousia, and the, the, it, it, reverse, it refers to unreserved speech. And it has the idea of someone speaking their mind without regard for what others think about them. It was interesting that I was looking that word up this week, uh, and there was a uh, the the first Republican debate Thursday night watched well, by 24 million viewers, around 24 million. I don't know how they count them, but that's what the pollsters say. And there's a there's uh, there's a, there's a this, this phenomenon going on. Whether you like him or dislike him, you probably, you're probably polarizing, and that's Donald Trump. And uh, Donald Trump seems to speak with some unreserved boldness of disregard now you probably can do that if you have a net worth of billions of dollars I think that's one of the things that initially maybe attracted some people to him is that he, he's, he it comes across as he's not going to be told by the media or he's not going to be told by the politically correct or by the uh, by finance you know he's not going to be told what to do he's going to do his own thing Now, that kind of boldness in the flesh can run roughshod and can cause a lot of injury and harm. But when that kind of boldness under the control of the Holy Spirit operates, it can be a powerful force as it was here with with Peter. And uh, as you read on, uh, the first service Matthew uh, Pastor Matthew kind of refers to this of where, as you read on, of where, where they threatened these guys not to even speak anymore in the name of Jesus. And they said, hey, you, 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 know, you think we ought to obey you or obey God? It's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. It was then. It should be for God's people today. But it's, sometimes it's not. Sometimes rather than being bold under the control of the Holy Spirit, we find a lot of people are... Uh, are just kind of going around repeating what they hear others say. And there's, there's a danger of that. I'm reminded of a story of a, of a young pastor. His first church, that his, first, his first church, he was called. And his first sermon, first Sunday sermon at that church. And he preached the best he knew how, as hard as he could. And he was standing at the door. And as the people left, uh, there was an a older lady that came by. And she said, that was the worst sermon I've ever heard. And, uh, and and he was kind of he was kind of taken aback by it and didn't want to first Sunday there didn't want to make a scene so he just kind of nodded his head and smiled and she went on next Sunday priest hard people were coming by the lady came by and said that was the worst sermon I've ever heard and he, and and, and, he, and he went on for a few Sundays and he kind of he kind of thought wow I, you know I I need to, I need to know something so he, he called one of the deacons over and he and he said to the deacon hey, what's going on? He said, last last several Sundays, every time I, from the first Sunday, every time she comes by, she looks over at me and said, that's the worst sermon I've ever heard. And the deacon said, oh, pastor, he said, don't be too concerned. He said, she just goes around repeating what everybody else says. (laughs) So, (laughs) sometimes people just go around repeating things, but Peter and John, one of the things that, that, that was noticeable about them is that they had been with Jesus, and it was reflected in the way they spoke and in their speech. I want to just—I want to share with you a couple, three about three characteristics that I think I've noticed that that when people have been with Jesus, you can tell. And I and I and I'm and I'm, I'm just going to be one of the things in my own life is when I have been with Jesus, when I've spent time with him, when, I have, when, he's, you know, when, he's, when I've been listening, I think these are three things that, that affect me, but I see them in the lives of people also that I believe have been with Jesus. The first one is this, is that uh, when people have been in the presence of God, there seems to be a, a thankfulness about them. They seem to be grateful. They seem to be thankful. Now, Married couples sometimes uh, are not the best at expressing thanks, Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm reminded of a story of a of an older couple uh, that had been married for several decades, and they were sitting out on the porch swing one afternoon and late evening, and the sun was getting ready to set. And they were sitting there, and and uh, the fella got thinking. He thought, you know, you know, my wife's a good woman. Uh, and he thought, that, and she's a good wife. And he got thinking back of all the of all the the, the meals that she had fixed over the years, all the, the house cleaning and uh, the hard work, and raising of the kids, and all that went on. And uh, as the sun was just setting, he was thinking about all this, and uh, he said, "Honey." He said, you know, you said, you've been such a wonderful wife to me that there are times I just can't hardly keep from telling you how much I appreciate you. So <laughs> Sometimes that's kind of the way, now some of you will get that just a little bit later on, <laughs> but, but sometimes that's almost the way we are with expressing our appreciation, our thankfulness to what God has done in our, in our lives. But when you've been with Jesus, when Jesus has really making a difference in your life, you find yourself being thankful. And, and, and I guess a question that I would have is, what, what are you thankful for this morning? Are, are you thankful for, your, for health? For life? Or are you thankful for family? Kids? Grandkids? Are you thankful for your spouses, those of you that are, that are blessed with a Christian husband or a Christian wife? Or are we thankful for our salvation? Gift of God. God. A gift to us for forgiveness. Are you thankful for peace? You know, apart from him, there's no real lasting peace in a person's life. It's turmoil. Scripture, one scripture says it's like the ocean, the waves of the ocean rolling all the time and washing up new stuff on the beach every day. You know how Satan does that? But in scripture, there are several scriptures I want to share quickly with you that... Uh, I believe that shows how that in Scripture, our worship often is an indication of when we've been with Jesus or the difference that Jesus makes, and it comes out in being thankful. And so, when should we be thankful? Well, Deuteronomy chapter eight, Brandon. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse ten says, "When you've been eaten, when you've eaten, and are full, and when you shall, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land." In which is given you so think we, we should be thankful when we're when we're blessed, when we're happy, when things are going well. We should be thankful. Colossians chapter three, verse 15 says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you're called in one body and be ye thankful. We should be thankful when there's peace and when we've experienced peace. God's peace. And when we're experiencing God's peace, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, "In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I think it's a reminder of us that we're to give thanks when we're happy. We're to give thanks when things are going great. But we're to give thanks when things are tough, when times are tough, when their circumstances are hard, that we're to give thanks in all things. In everything, we're to be given thanks. James chapter one verse two says, "My brother, and count it all joy when you fall into different temptations." We're to be thankful when we're when we face trials, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. And James will continue on because God is using these in our lives. Philippians chapter four verse six reminds us. That uh, be anxious or be careful for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We're to be thankful when we're tempted to worry. Always, we're to be thankful. I, I, I believe that Jesus gives us a good picture of how he sees thankfulness as an as a awesome act of worship. Luke chapter 17. In Luke 17... Go with me there quickly. Luke chapter 17. We're going to pick up verse 11 quickly here. It says, And it came to pass as Jesus went to Jerusalem, he passed through Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into the certain village, there met him 10 lepers. And they stood afar off. They had to. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves unto the priest, and it came to pass that as they went, they were clean, cleansed. Now again, this is why: if 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 they were healed from leprosy, the law said that they had to go show themselves to the priest. The priest would be the ones that would declare that they were clean, able to enter, re-enter society or not. But the interesting thing that that just Got to jump out as it does me in this story. Jesus told them to go show to the priest and they went. And the healing didn't come until they were on the way. It says, as they went, as they went, that they were cleansed. Verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he came back and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks And Luke just points out, and this guy was a Samaritan. Again, Samaritans and Jews, a lot of racial tension and hatred. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans. The Samaritans, I mean, they made no bones about it. Samaritans uh, knew that. And this Samaritan guy returns to Jesus, falls down on his face, and is thanking him for healing him. Now look look at Jesus' response. And Jesus said to the Samaritan man that was healed, Weren't there 10 lepers cleansed? Where are the nine? They're not found that return to give glory except a stranger. And then Jesus says to the Samaritan, get up, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Not just clean, but whole. Wow, what an act of worship. And I believe that a thankful heart is a characteristic of a person that has been in the presence of God that Jesus has made a difference in our life. Another characteristic that I want to point out, people, people know that Jesus has made a difference in our lives when we praise him. Now, I believe thanksgiving and being thankful is, is usually thanking God for what he's done, something he's done, Cleansing of, of, of leprosy here in Luke 17, uh, what, what he's done, how he's met our needs, blah, blah, blah. But praising him, is worshiping him for who he is. Thankfulness, while it may be for what he's done, praise is for just who he is. I just want to praise him. I just want to thank. I thought of the songs when they, were, when they were singing this this morning. And the scripture again is full of that. Psalms is full of commands like in Psalms 47. Verse 6, 7, and 8 says, sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our king. Sing praises. You kind of get to the, the, the idea he's wanting you to sing. And a lot of times our praise in scripture, a lot of times praise is associated with singing. He says, for God is the king of all earth. Sing praises with understanding. In other words, know why you're praising him. God reigns over the heathen. God sits upon the throne in his holiness. And so we're commanded, sing praises to him. Hebrews 13 Verse 15 says, by him, by Christ, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, given thanks to his name. That thanksgiving, as it comes out, as it's verbalized, is praise and adoration. And we, a lot of times we call our, our sin, we'll say, well, you know, we're doing praise and worship. But really, worship is a response of all that we are to all that God does and all that he is. Our praise and worship, Psalms 96, verse one through nine, it says, so sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name, show forth his salvation day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great. And greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nation are idols, but the, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O you kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory Do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him. All the earth. You kind of get the picture in Scripture that praise originates in our heart, okay? It originates in our hearts and it, then it comes outward. Praise is never to be an outward show for other people to see, it's to be an adoration and a worship of who God is. Matter of fact, Jesus would repeat in, in Matthew 15, verse 8 Jesus repeats a warning from Isaiah. When Jesus tells the people, says, he, he warned him. he said, the people draw near me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips. But what? Their heart is far from me. He says, they worship me in vain. In other words, he says, they're going through the outward the show of it. And people around them may be fooled. But Jesus said, he knows if it's from the heart. So that, that worship, that thankfulness, that praise that comes when Jesus has made a difference in our lives. This morning, if you were thinking, what would you say? I, 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 I praise the Lord, and you finish it. I praise the Lord for, and just whatever, you know, think about it. I'm thankful for, how would you finish that? Well, one other thing, I, I, I believe that you can tell that Jesus has really made a difference. You know that you've been in the presence of God when God is worshipped through our obedience to the word. Now, I love it. Praise and worship. I get excited. My feet my feet can go to tapping if they reach the floor. They can go to tapping. I don't have much... Uh, I, I like... I, I can hear good music and I know what that is even though I may not know what key it's in or anything else. I, I love good praise and good singing. I love it... When, when God's worship through a, a humble and a thankful heart, a servant's heart, I see that. And I see that as a, man, as, a, as a sacrifice of worship and praise. But to me, one of the most beautiful acts of worship is that which flows through obedience to God's word. Just simple obedience, day in, day out, living the truth of God's word. Asking forgiveness. The little boy, I loved it. It comes back. The, 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 the simple truth is that, here it now, he's coming back the next day and said, I'm sorry. He knew. Middle schooler, he knew. I'm sorry if the way I treated you yesterday was wrong. But the difference, what was the difference? One difference. Well, the other boy knew. Could say to the family member, it sure makes a difference when Jesus there done it. It sure makes a difference. Having a servant attitude Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday you see daddy used to always and some of the older people had expression said they don't care how high you jump in church on Sunday is how straight you walk when you hit the ground on Monday what what they're saying they're saying that real worship it's great to be together I love it I love it sing I love it we worship and I'm and, and I just love that but it really 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 gets exciting to me because I see you walk it out in obedience, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And sometimes when it's not even really convenient, sometimes when it's maybe more inconvenient or when it's very difficult. It's hard, it's hard for a middle school boy to go to another boy and say, I'm sorry. It's hard for adult, a grown man to go to another man and say, I'm sorry. Shouldn't be, but sometimes it's hard for a husband to go to his wife and say, honey, I'm sorry. You know? But to see that obedience because Jesus makes a difference. I'm going to kind of close with a, and I told Lee this morning I was going to, a couple, a couple more verses. But I'm going to kind of close with this. In our, in our Bible study Thursday morning in Ephesians. There, there is a verse in Ephesians chapter 2. And we were there Thursday morning. That just, I can't, I, it's hard for me to get beyond the, Paul is writing to the Christians there. He's just told them, told them about all that we that God has done for us. And he's told them about how he's, he's made us alive in Christ. And then in, at the beginning of chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, he's told them about this is how we know we're alive because this is the way we used to live, just like the world, like unsaved people. This is what we did. This, and Paul says, this is who we all were. And then verse 4, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, look at this. It says, but God, and I thought, again, I told, told the guys Thursday morning, I said, man, You talk, but God, what a difference God makes. And and what Paul's saying, he makes a difference in every life he comes into. Whether you're a middle school boy, an elementary school boy, or a 102-year-old person, when God comes in, he makes a difference. Scripture says, if any man is in Christ, Paul, Ephesians is all about being in Christ. He says, if any man is in Christ, what does it say? He is a new creature, a new creation, a new creature. It doesn't, he he is, he's a new creation. All things are passed away, all things become new. And here he says, but God, and I just look at this, who is rich in mercy. We talk about people being rich in land. Around here, we used to talk about people being land poor. That meant that he's an old farmer or a guy that used to, you bought, timber was sold around here. You, You had to take the land to buy the timber. I can remember the days, and Janice Kent, uh, her daddy was uh, Coal Adams. Bought a lot of. He 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 owned a lot of gum log one time. He bought it to timber, and the land was almost worthless. You could, land was hundred dollars an acre. You say, "Boy, I wish I'd have known." Yeah, a lot of us wish we'd have known then. <laughs> but we cut the logs off of it, and we talked about people being land poor. That means they had so much land they couldn't afford to pay the taxes on it. It just, it just didn't because you know, land wasn't valuable then. But we talk about people being rich in land or we talk about people being filthy rich with money, you know. Got enough money to burn a wet dog. I mean, all kinds of things. Don't seek Peter on me. I'm just telling you what I've, you know. Uh, But God, one of the ways that that Paul describes God is God is rich in Mercy. That means he's got more mercy than he could ever spend, than he could ever use. That he's just got mercy and he likes to to spread that mercy around. That's our God. But God who's rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. What a a picture. I just, uh, while Bill, I can't hardly get past that verse. He and I were talking about this, I just can't hardly get, what a picture Of of this, that Jesus difference that Jesus makes. And Lee was talking about this Thursday morning. And, And Lee said, you know, he said it was love that motivated God's mercy toward us. And he said it's the same way. He said love should be the factor that motivates us in everything we do. Everything we do, it should be because God has loved us. It was awesome. It was awesome. I've thought about that. Romans 12, 1, and I'm going to close with this verse. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of service. Our worship on Sunday has little meaning if we're not obedient the other six days. Now, I'm reminded of a, of a story told about Mark Twain. I don't think Mark Twain necessarily was most of the godly, one of the most godly people, but he did have a lot of stories told about him. I read a story of, uh, of Mark Twain talking to a uh, a businessman from Boston. And the businessman from Boston told Mark Twain, he said, before I die, he said, before I die, he said, I want, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I want to climb Mount Sinai. I want to climb to the top of Mount Sinai. And I want to I I yell at the top of my lungs the Ten Commandments from the top of Mount Sinai. And the story says that Twain didn't seem to be too impressed. And he turned to the businessman and he said, I've got a better idea. I said, why don't you stay in Boston and obey them? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Jesus makes a difference in our lives. Are others seeing it? Can they see it? Do we see it? You know, that's awesome to me. Family member, it really makes a difference when Jesus is in your life. Yeah, yeah, amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you just bestowed us with this great riches of your mercy. And I'm reminded that you loved us, Romans would say, while we were still sinners. That love was so motivating that your son Jesus Christ died for us so that jury, the sinner, jury, the ungodly could receive the forgiveness of God through the shed blood of Jesus, his son. And so that the unrighteousness of Jewry could be covered and paid for by the righteousness of the sinless Lamb of God for the world. That is mind-boggling, but that's what you've done. And Father, this morning, it's my prayer that uh, as I get plum excited when I hear these stories about Kemp And about kids and the truths and the great truths, great truths, the great messages that are preached in these one-liners that kids say, boy, it really makes a difference when Jesus gets into your life, don't it? Yeah. Lord, let the simple truth of that remind us today of who you are and what you've done. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted the Lord as your Savior, He's the one that made the difference. The counselors could talk to this young man, they could explain the difference, they could explain what was appropriate and inappropriate. And sometimes that's probably too much of that goes on in churches rather than just explaining. When you come to Jesus, He makes a new person out of you. We can't be good enough. No matter, try as hard as we can. And sometimes we really don't want to try that much at all, really. But we can't be good enough. But when Jesus comes in, we're a new creation. And he puts a new desire and a new want to and a new got to in our lives. And the world can see. The world saw Peter... And took note that a man who just a few days earlier had denied he even knew Jesus Christ now is preaching and speaking in that same name, and they can't get him to shut up. And the one who ran away, the one who was so fearful that he would deny, now is fearless. You made the difference. It's all the difference that the Holy Spirit of God made as He come and lived and dwelled in the heart of Peter. This morning, Father, there may be those here that just, uh, this morning they want to say, you know what? Jesus, I need you to come into my life. It's not good enough just to go to church. And it's not. It's not good enough just to try to be as good as I can be. And it's not. And it's not, surely not good enough just to let other people think that I'm something that I'm not and it's not what needs to happen is I need you need to just come to Jesus and say Jesus you need to come into my life and forgive me save me create in me that new heart that new creation as you make me yours just like you did to this middle school young man you can do to me you're the same God right where you said if this is you you know and you know if it is or not if it's you why don't you say Jesus come into my life right now come in make me yours make me yours you do the changing I want to agree with you let your peace bear witness that you've forgiven me of all my sins Let your word guide my actions, my directions in my life. Lord, I want to give you thanks right now for what you've done that I don't even understand yet. And I want to continue giving you thanks and praising you for who you are and for what you do the rest of my days. that's you and that's a desire of your heart. Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to praise you. Pray for you and with you as we close. Just raise your hand up and hold it up. Anyone need to do that? Father, I give this to you. In your name we pray.